Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Greg Pickle from Blue White Illustrated. Greg, welcome back. Always a pleasure. Great to have you with us. Hey, Steve. Good to be on with you. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, what were your takeaways from the press conference with James Franklin? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that we learned from James Franklin today is that he was really hoping that the team would kind of take his words after the game that he shared with the media, and I'm also sure that he shared them in the locker room to heart, and that they would come out and have a difficult day of practice on Sunday and to get back to the edge and to all the things that he wants his program to have, his team to have, and it sounds to me like that was done. So obviously they were off yesterday, and they're go hit the practice field shortly here, and we'll learn more about Penn State uh, tomorrow when James Franklin talks. But, I mean, ultimately I think my takeaway, Steve, was just that, you know, there was a lot of people I think who were maybe disappointed in the way Penn State beat Villanova, and I get it to an extent. At the same time, I think we have to realize that it's sometimes just human nature that, you know, when you go to Wisconsin, when you play Ball State in the first game with fans in two years, and then you face Auburn and Whiteout, that I did very simple to maybe not look at Villanova the same way as those first three games, and you get a little bit sloppy because of that, maybe a little bit complacent. So, Ultimately, the takeaway for me today was just that I think James Franklin had a message. I'm sure his coaches echoed that, and it seems like the team has picked up on it in a way that has him feeling good, which should have Pet State fans feeling good ahead of this matchup with Indiana. One-third of the way through the regular season, so four games in, what is your assessment of where this football team is right now? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll start with the offense and with Sean Clifford playing the way he has of late. I mean, that was the big question coming into the year, right? I mean, we knew that Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington and Noah Kane would be some some of the you know bigger parts of the pitcher here, and that was all fine and well, but how Sean Clifford played was all anybody wanted to talk about from really the time Penn State decided last December it wasn't going to a bowl game at the end of the 2020 season until now. So, I mean, I think the offense is certainly in a place where they have to get the run game stuff cleaned up and they can't just pass all the time and not ever be able to run successfully and be one-dimensional because of it. But, you know, if you would have asked people – uh, if you would have showed people the stats uh, from the first four games of the year in July and said, are you okay with this out of Penn State's offense? And is this what you would have expected from Mike Yersich? I think a lot of people would have said yes and yes. So I think that on that front, obviously there's room to grow, but they're certainly, I think, probably a little bit further ahead of what most people had expected for them. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, Brent Price defense. So we knew Jaquan Brisker would be back and playing in the All-American level. We knew that Tariq Castro-Field was motivated by the way the 2020 season went and would be really good. But there were a lot of questions about this team, starting with the defensive line, but even the linebackers. You know, you knew what you had in Brandon Smith to a degree, but you weren't maybe sure about how good Ellis Brooks could be, and you weren't maybe sure about how far Curtis Jacobs had to go. And, you know, it's considered one of the best defenses in the country for a reason. Now they have yet to face really an offense with a super pulse, but I mean, you know, because Wisconsin certainly is uh, not lighting things on fire, uh, just like they did in the opener, and Penn State, of course, had something to do with that, as had the defense that they played, but yeah, ultimately, Steve, I think they're probably a little bit ahead of where I would have expected them to be at this point in time. I had them 4-0 coming out of 
um, coming out of the month of September, so I'm not surprised so much by that. But I do think what we've seen out of them is probably a little bit further along than what I would have thought back at, you know, at this time a month ago. What do you think Jesse Lucchetta's move to defensive end, what has that done with this defense personnel-wise? Yeah, I mean, I think it's given it another uh, – you know, another area where it can really hurt teams. And, you know, look, Jesse, when they started talking about back in the spring moving him to defensive end, I immediately wasn't too sure how that would work. But it's been uh, just outstanding, I think. You know, he's really fun to watch. He really gets off the ball quickly. He is really aggressive and really, you know, to go back to the Tuesday news conference here, James Franklin talked about playing with an edge. He plays with it um, from an aggressive standpoint from an energy standpoint and, and so on and so forth. So it's really allowed Penn State's defense to get to a point where it is capable of, um, you know, blitzing teams off the edge. It's capable of rushing teams from just four guys or even three guys at the line of scrimmage, you know. And it, I don't know the case, of course, part of that, Nick Tarbert and some other guys. But Jesse Lucchetta is almost like a co-starter at this point. There's a good reason for that because he's been – really productive, really impactful, and has given this Penn State defense something that maybe it didn't have a year ago. They usually play a lot of players on this team. I'll usually talk about, hey, look, they'll play anywhere from 15 to 22 players on defense. They'll probably play anywhere from, I don't know, I'd say 15 to 18 players on offense, maybe even 20. What do you think of the team's depth at this point based on that? Yeah, it's again, kind of to go back to the two questions ago, it's probably a little bit further along than I would have expected. You know, I don't know at the end of August if I would have thought we'd see Devon Ellis playing so much, but he's carved himself out a really yeah. nice role. You know, with uh, Tar Burton, Evichetti, and Lucetta, you have a really good three-headed monster at defensive end, and when we see some Smith, Gilbert, and some other guys, but those are basically your three there. You know, we've seen some more Charlie Catcher of late, and then the secondary, I think, We've long known now that that was going to be not just the strength of a team, but one where even though you can only start four guys, or if you want to call it five with Dequan Hardy being the uh, main slot nickel guy, you know, you might be able to only start five, but you have Johnny Dixon, you have Kalen King, you have more guys there. Um, you know, most teams would love to have that kind of depth. So they've definitely been able to play a lot of guys over the first four games, maybe not as much as the years where you don't have an Auburn in September or you don't go to Wisconsin in September, but guys who have earned reps are certainly getting them and it's been good from a development standpoint because they certainly uh, you know, certainly work in their favor down the road. A player that has entered the mix in the last two weeks has been John Lovett. What have you thought of him? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, Steve. He's just explosive. I mean, you know, when James Franklin talks about him being the kind of guy who has played a lot of football and really kind of is helping Penn State because of it, I think you just see it, you know. No moment's too big for him, and he understands. I'm not saying these other guys don't, but it's just different after you start at uh, another FDS program for a few years. You get that the ball is the program, and you can't risk putting it on the ground, and you can't risk, you know, giving up, maybe not getting two yards because you want to try and do something extra to get four or five and end up losing four or five. So, I mean, he's quick. He's definitely a change of pace compared to when they have uh, Noah Kane and Kevon Lee in, and. I'm excited to see what more his role can be now that he's uh, getting his feet wet with Penn State's offense, with Mike Yersich, with Jalen Sider. You know, I think there's a lot of things that he can do to change pace and to keep teams off balance, and it's just going to be fascinating to see what kind of role 
uh, Penn State finds for him as the season continues. But I've been really impressed by him so far. And all the transfers really have found a role for the most part that I think has, uh, has differentiated this roster in a way that the transfer portal had not done before. What is your sense in what Mike Yurcich means to Sean Clifford and vice versa? Do you have any feel for that yet? Uh, it's, I think it's probably a little bit more difficult to get a feel for it at this point, just because how do you, you know, what? So obviously, I think Sean Clifford and Mike Yurcich have really bonded, or at least it seems like they have. And Mike Yurcich is a bit of a perfectionist, and Mike Yurcich is certainly a good teacher and things like that. So. I think for Sean Clifford, just a chance to work with his offensive coordinator in person again was a big deal. And, you know, this was a guy who, again, was really successful in 2019 and then not so much in 2020 when things were obviously so abnormal and so different compared to the past. So, you know, I think that they're helping each other. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Mike Yersich has been very successful everywhere he's been. Sean Clifford had one really good year and one so-so year, and now he's back close to that really good year for him. And, you know, so I don't know how much of it's Yersich, how much of it's just the normalness of this year compared to 2020, and how much is it that Sean Clifford's been now in his third year as a starter. But certainly I think that there's something to be said about what kind of impact Mike Yersich has had. But at the same time, I think you have to give – uh, Sean Clifford to and be careful in that conversation to not just say that Mike Yurcich is the one uh, doing this basically all by himself for Sean Clifford because I do think Clifford has grown in a lot of different ways as well. All right, uh, what you know? Any gauge you have yet uh, early in the week on Indiana? You know, I was funny. I was just sitting down to do the uh, do the opposing view post that we do each week to match up to see where Penn State has an edge and where its opponent might have an edge. And I've only gotten a little of the way through it, but I don't know if I see too many areas where Indiana is going to be able to really uh, expose Penn State. You know, obviously Michael Penix Jr., very good quarterback, but he doesn't seem to be as good this year. Teams seem to have maybe figured out his tendencies a little bit, so I would expect Penn State's defense to have a really good day against him. Obviously, you're going to have to make sure he doesn't uh, extend plays with his feet and so on and so forth, but you know, one of their better receivers, D.J. Matthews, is now out for the year with an ACL injury, which is unfortunate, but that hurts that offense, and so I mean, I guess just Looking at the box scores, looking at some of the tape and what I've been able to watch live in past weeks, I just don't get a sense that this Indiana team should challenge Penn State as much as it was able to a year ago at home now that it has to go on the road. It lost some pretty key members of that team a year ago. Of course, it has some back as well. But, yeah, I just think, Steve, that last year going into that game, you didn't know what to expect. No one did. I mean, it was just crazy. But this year, I think you can get a much better feel for where both teams are. And I don't know if Indiana's as good as some people thought. I think Penn State might be better than some thought, and I think that'll show up on Saturday. Uh, I know you're still very closely. I mean, there are different roles for you at BWI, but you still follow the recruiting part closely. When you're looking at what they've put together for this upcoming recruiting class and how they look a year from now, how impressive has this been? Yeah, it's been really impressive. I mean, I just look at everything that – they have done during this cycle and they've really hit on all cylinders you know they've been able to fill spots that weren't there before they've been able to uh you know they've been able to get guys from parts of the country that maybe they weren't as successful at at the past so yeah ultimately Steve, i just 
they have done a world-class job so far, and they just have to get it to the finish line now in December and get these guys to sign. And there's no indication that anyone is not interested or that anyone is sort of, uh, you know, sort of looking around. But you still just got to get to that point. You got to get through October and November and get the signatures in in December. But, yeah, it's a really good class. Could get a little bit bigger. And, uh, you know, after the last year was a little bit tougher for Penn State, this has certainly been a much better year for them. Well, you're to the finish line. Appreciate you so much. Thank you, Greg. All right. Thank you, Steve. Have a great day, guys.